Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we are walking through the book of 1 Peter uh, this month, and uh, here's my encouragement to you. Uh, it's five chapters in 1 Peter. Uh, Monday through Friday, every Monday through Friday this month, I encourage you, uh, just read one chapter a day. So, you know, it's easy. If it's like Thursday, I don't know what to read. Well, it's chapter four. Easy. Uh, so do that, uh, and you won't be disappointed at all. Uh, so if you want to turn to 1 Peter, we're going to walk through it in uh, chunks today. Um, and, um, and then we're going to stop uh, and talk about uh, those chunks and actually have a prayer time uh, after each one uh, there. And uh, I'll be reading out of the NLT, and I encourage you, uh, whatever Bible app you use or your, your good old-fashioned uh, written Bible, uh, just to follow along with me today. So this letter is written from Peter to believers that are kind of just scattered um, you know, at this time period here. Uh, and he's encouraging believers who are following Jesus uh, that, hey, it's not always easy. It's not the easiest thing in the world uh, right now for you. Jesus promised you'd be persecuted and, and hated and despised. And uh, the, the religion side, the Jews back then, and the, the pagan side um, uh, both hated these believers. Uh, and, and, and so Peter's telling them, hey, it can be tough in some ways, um, but, but the suffering that you're going through will bring about exactly what God wants in your life, from your life, and for those who are lost and, and outside of finding him before death, headed for a Christless eternity. So, so be encouraged because even what you're going through is meant not only for your sake and your legacy, but it's meant for, for lost people to find Jesus, which is the most important thing uh, overall. Uh, so it's a tough word to read, but it's also an encouraging and hopeful word because of what it guarantees for us. And so he's telling us all throughout 1 Peter, stay joyful in the midst of it all. Great hope awaits for you. And, and I have uh, something I'm doing that you can't see, but I know uh, is going to happen. That's what God's telling him. So be sincere is what we're looking at today. Be sincere that as you face whatever it is that you're going to face in life, uh, as you follow Jesus and focus on him, as you live according to uh, the life he calls you to live and not, not be conformed to the, the ways of the world, that God, God has your back and God will be the strength of your spiritual backbone. So the goal is that we would, as we walk this through, and as Peter tells us, that we would find the boldness to persevere, that we'd be empowered in life as overcomers, and encouraged as we remain faithful to Jesus and faithful to, the, uh, to what Jesus calls us to right here in the Word. Uh, we were talking about it at elders meeting that day. We had a great elders meeting, and we were just, we basically spent the whole, I think we went an extra 30 minutes almost, uh, so we, about two hours, and all we did was pray for people in this church, pray for people who'd asked us to pray for them. We talked about uh, the, the excitement of what would Jesus pray for us if he were right there? How would he lay his hands on each of us and pray for us uh, as followers of him? And then we talked about First Peter chapter 1 especially. Uh, and, and really what one of the elders said, he goes, it's, it's, it's basically that dash we're born and we have a birth date, 
we die someday and there's an end date and there's a dash that represents all the, the years and decades in between. And what Peter's talking about here is, is the dash, what you, what you leave behind and not just what you leave behind after you die, which is important, but what you leave behind when you, when you leave your house to go to work, when you leave work to go to your house, what you leave behind at school, when you, when you leave for the day and, and go home. What you leave behind as you're, as you're coaching your kids' little league game or you're going on vacation, or you're at the grocery store, you're paying for gas and you're paying for gas right now. <laughs> what you leave behind you, that's what Peter's talking about. That's the legacy. And in that dash, however long that is in our lives, there are just tiny little dots filling in that dash. And every one of them, we can leave behind Jesus or we can leave behind ourselves in this world. Um, and, and it's nice to get a pat on the back. One of our elders said, it's, it's really nice to get a pat on the back in life, but it's not about that. It's not about the world going, oh, I just, I appreciate you. Uh, or, or somebody else even following Jesus saying, I appreciate you. It's, it's about Jesus and about leaving Jesus and about when you walk out of the room, them going, I think we just saw someone who's found found their life in something other than humanity here uh, because I think I just got a dose uh, of Jesus uh, from that person. It, it's, again, it's what's left after we leave a place or leave this earth because we're different now in following Jesus. And so this book, this letter that Peter writes, it's encouragement 101 for followers of Jesus. Peter just lifts up people. And, and what I think is, is one of the coolest things is most of us know Peter's story. Fisherman called to follow Jesus. He had foot and mouth disease like some of us do. Uh, he, he spoke a lot of times before he, he thought Jesus, you know, was like, well done, Peter. You did it. And then the next sentence, he's like, stop talking, Peter. You're wrong. And you're acting like Satan. I mean, that's literally his story. And then we know that it's like, Peter, you're going to deny me. And he's like, I would die before I deny you. Oh, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. You know, he, that's his story. But then he was redeemed and restored on the beach about eight days after Jesus rose from the dead. And so we know Peter's story, and then we get to, to read his heart. He went from a really brash, off-the-cuff, in a lot of negative ways, uh, just human ways, uh, person to a shepherd of people who are struggling as they follow Jesus because suffering comes, and he writes this to us and for us. And so... 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him, and you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the forgiveness. That's what we remember at communion. We are forgiven and we're found in Jesus. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Anybody need more and more grace yes. and peace? Yep. Four of us need peace. The rest of you got it made. Thank you. Glad you're in my life. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. 
And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, I've been, I've been very blessed in my life to, to have lived in some of the uh, most pristine and beautiful places on the planet. I, I lived six years in a mission organization in, on the north shore of Maui. I traveled all over the world from there, and it's just always beautiful. I lived in Alaska for eight and a half years. Uh, one way I'd drive to work, and I'd see these mountains, and I'd turn around and go the other way to, to go home, and I'd see a different set of mountains on a clear day. I could stand in the parking lot at church and see Mount McKinley. Uh, I mean, it was, it was quite, quite amazing to, to live there and, and be there. I've also done missions in some of the poorest and most restrictive and hateful nations you could imagine. Nations filled with poverty, nations led by communist dictators, nations led by Muslim hatred or uh, Hindu ignorance or, or Buddhist oppression. Uh, I've had the benefit of, of, of being a part of, of both. I've, I've pastored and I've seen some of the most amazing blessings and encouraging uh, miracles take place in life. I've, gotten to, I've been able to see them right before my eyes, and I've, and I've helped walk people through and walked through some of the most painful and, and broken down moments as a pastor, as, as I walk people through loss and pain and tragedy and, and trauma. But I know this, our future inheritance as followers of Jesus will not only make our worst experiences a past memory, but it'll make the best thing that's ever happened to you just absolutely pale into comparison of what's coming. Yep. And that's the, that's the encouragement that Peter's giving us. He's like, you cannot live for the moment. You are suffering. I get it. There are trials and temptations. I understand. I mean, he's saying the same thing that Jesus said in the Gospels and that, that James writes in the book of James, that, that Paul tells us in, in a few places in, in his writings. He's telling us the same thing that the, that the Old Testament patriarchs and, and prophets and, and, and followers of God told the people, hey, tough times will come, but it's not about the moment. And you can always try to find a way out of the moment which will probably come with a price that has to do with your soul. Or you can go, I live for Christ alone. And as I live, it is amazing. And then when I die, it gets even better. And that's what Peter's telling us. He's talking about hope in the midst. And so that's what I want to pray about. We're going to take each section and we're going to pray. So I'm going to ask you right now, just close your eyes if you would. And just as I pray, just ask the Lord in the same way to meet you, because some of you, you need to find that hope in the midst, or you're just struggling, or you're just, you're confused and doubting, and I just felt like the Lord said, each section, you stop, and I'm going to minister to souls, I'm going to minister to hearts, I'm going to minister to my sons and daughters, and if there's anyone in here who's never made that decision, he said, I'll, I'll come, and I'll invite you into eternal life. Lord, we, we come before you right now, and we read this from Peter, a man who understood the highs of life, he understood the challenges of life, he understood the lows that, that he brought upon himself, but more than anything, he understood the restoration power of the risen king, because you literally restored him after you rose, and then because you're so real, you made him breakfast. And so I pray right now, wherever we are, 
Wherever we are in our life, in the midst of maybe hopelessness or just pain or just worry or some, some news just came upon us that is like, whoa, I didn't think I'd have to deal with that, that you would help us to find your hope in the midst. You're a God who always comes through that, that hope that, that is beyond circumstances. And I pray for every son and daughter in this room. I pray for the moms and dads, the grandmas and grandpas who might look at kids and grandkids and feel worried. Give them hope. Give them hope. Bring in that peace. I pray for students who have to face a, a strange world around them, both happening outside of our nation's borders and then even in their own schools. And I pray you give them hope that they would be lighthouses in, in the storms, lighthouses in the dark. They'd be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden and a light that cannot be put out because they are found in you and you alone. I pray that you help us to be salt and light, that salt that, that gives flavor to life and de it delays the decay of death and that you make us to be light, to see darkness run away from it as we walk in a room or walk in a place or walk in a setting and that we'd also be the light that people would be drawn to. So give us hope in the midst, Lord, and you hear me pray. Amen. So the next section I want to read uh, is verses 6 through 12. And, and so after, after Peter tells us to have that great hope, uh, he says, hey, here, here's to be your response. This is what you're supposed to do in response so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. So he's writing this to believers who didn't ever get to meet Jesus, and he's writing it to us today. We've never physically seen him, but we know him and we love him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news that's been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, it is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Joy, praise, trust, steadfastness, being sincere. That's what Peter's talking about here. Now, when somebody says, Scott, suffering's coming, joy and praise aren't always the first things that come to my mind. Why is that? I'm called a human, just like you. Some of you, your stories have been that you've walked through it so much that you literally are there. That's an awesome, mature place to be. You're not delusional. You're mature in Christ. But we still struggle with that. 
We, we don't always think of joy and praise when trials come our way. But if we're followers of Jesus who read our Bibles, we see that that's what will come and that's the response that we're called to. I mean, he says here in, in the NLT, it says, so be truly glad. Some of your versions uh, might read, uh, greatly rejoice when suffering comes. What he's saying there in the, the original writing, it actually means to stay exceedingly joyful during. Stay exceedingly joyful during. Not by your own power, because it can't. It'll fade. Right. By the power of the Holy Spirit living within you, you can stay exceedingly joyful during trials and sufferings and challenges and, and potholes in the road, in the journey, all those things. So a question I'd have for all of us to ask ourselves is where's my joy found where's your joy found where is it based what's it rooted in not just your your joy in Jesus but like what are you what are you putting your hope in that's maybe a, a better question to ask about the joy if if your joy or your hope for joy is rooted in finances or a particular government leader or group, uh, if it's rooted in a relationship, even a good godly one, if it's, if it's rooted in present circumstances, it will always be a roller coaster. Always. If it's rooted in anything other than Jesus Christ alone, this is your life. And for some, they've gotten so used to this, they're like, well, highs and lows are good. And it's like, well, but... The lows aren't meant to be, and it's all based in how you feel in that moment or what's going on or the bank or, or that person or how that person loves you or treats you. But Jesus, man, this is, this is Jesus. Rooted in Jesus, it's just this, on and on and on. So what trials are you facing right now? And it may be... I'm not really personally facing this, but the world. That's a real big trial for me. It could be relational health, emotions. It could be pressures coming on you in some way. What grief are you dealing with? It could be grief over a loss, grief over an impending, you know, something that's, hey, this looks like this is going to end, or this is your health issue, or or this is, you know, what, what your parents are going through. Uh, it could be good grief, you know, kind of thing. Like, oh man, I just, I can't, I can't do this life anymore. It's so awful. What trial are you facing? What, what grief are you dealing with? Don't ignore it or pretend it's not there. Amen. So often we, we, as followers of Jesus, we'll, we'll put on the religious armor not Jesus armor, the religious armor, and go, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Good things, good things, good things. And, and it's like, okay, we are okay in Jesus, but we're still walking through real stuff. Yep. Like, don't give religious platitudes. Don't, don't just say religious things because it sounds right. Uh, don't just say religious things because you don't want to be vulnerable and let people in. I mean, yes, we have hope, right? But hope's got to be found in something real. And so maybe you really have to walk through something knowing that that hope is actually there. But don't fake it till you make it because you won't ever make it. 
Don't belittle your grief or your trial either, as if it, as if it shouldn't matter. Well, you know, I'm going through this, but like there's a third world out there that they don't even have rice to eat. And it's true, but don't, don't belittle your own circumstance. Jesus cares, yep. and that's real. And if you keep doing that, you'll never let him in to the heart because you don't really believe in his character. Because that's the bottom line. When I just say those kinds of things, well, but, I, you know, well, oh, oh, yeah, I'm not believing that his character, his identity is for me. And so then I'm going to have the wrong belief in my identity. At the same time, don't let it crush you or own you or put you into despair. Be real and deal with the things that are there. Peter's not saying, hey, just, you know, nothing, don't act like nothing's happening and just be happy. He's not saying that. He's saying, you're going through real stuff, but find your joy, exceedingly joyful life in him alone. If you follow and trust in Jesus, God is at work in you right now in that thing. Whatever you're going through, he is at work in you right now in that area. So I want us to pray right now on just our response to what we're going through. Peter says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you have to endure many trials. So he's saying this should be your response from, to pressure the world puts on you, to challenges you face before you, to struggles you're having in your home or in your marriage or with your kids or with your parents, to, to the world around you that brings just, just doom and despair. You're going to walk through those things, but have joy. Respond with joy. James says, count it all joy when you walk through trials of many kinds. So we're going to pray right now. That, that our response is joy, joy, joy. Would you close your eyes and just join with me? Lord, it's tough. We want to be real in you, Jesus, but we also don't want to let the, the real things happening around us dictate our lives. We want to respond to you and how you call us to respond because when we respond in the way you call us to respond, God, we will live full of joy in the midst of a world gone mad, a world that is just flailing, and a world that ultimately just needs you. You're the only way to make all things right in the world around us. And so help us to not live like that or be, be, uh, be, be manipulated or driven by that, but to respond to you with exceeding joy in our lives. God, help us to help one another, husbands and wives, friends, families, to help each other to respond in joy as we live our lives fully aware of what's going on around us, but more aware of who you are, what you're doing in and through us. Thank you, God, for, for your commitment to us and, and help us walk this out with faithfulness, full of joy. In your name we pray. Amen. The next section there is a longer section. Uh, a lot of your Bibles say a call to holy living. It's verses 13 through 25. We're looking at this holy living and, and how to be sincere uh, as, we, as we follow Jesus. So Peter goes on to write, so think clearly 
Exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. He's talking about living life in Jesus alone. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Those are usually old habits we go back to. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Can you be holy on your own? No. (laughs) Holy Spirit is in you, so half of his name really is holy. You can be holy because the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's what he's saying. And then in verses 17 through 21, he's talking about what God did for you and I. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live, a, live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. This is not our home. We're travelers here. Our home is found in heaven as followers of Jesus. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. So that's what God did just for you. And then in verses 22 through 25, he says, okay, now that God did that for you, as sincere followers of mine, now you love others. You you, you live because of Jesus, you sincerely love other people. And and he's specifically talking about loving the church, loving your your God-given community, come together as the church that is the bride of Christ. And he says, you were cleansed, from your sins, in verse 22, when you obey the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. 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 In Jesus alone, your life will last forever. Outside of Jesus, it's a Christless eternity in a horrific place called hell. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is a good news that was preached to you. We're going to pray right now to be truly sincere in loving one another. God, I thank you for loving us so much that you did all this for us. You, you had the spotless Jesus who, who represented the, the eternal Lamb of God die in our place so that we'd have to make a decision but then never again have to sacrifice or, or, or make things right on a yearly basis. There was one sacrifice for all time paid for us and by simply believing in and following Jesus, he gave us eternal life. So I pray if anybody's here and are listening or watching and they've never made a decision to follow you, that right now 
they would know that, God, you sent your son to die in their place, and you tell them, hey, you believe, and you follow, and you cry out, and I will save you for all time. I pray that they make that decision, that they hear that invitation, and then, and then for those of us here following you, I pray you help us to be truly sincere in how we love one another and how we live for you, and how we, how we live uh, from a place of, of needing you, but, but fully fulfilled in you. I thank you for your commitment to us, God. Help us as we stay joyful to be sincere in our love for one another, but always fueled by your love for us and your grace for us and your mercy given to us and that compassion if we struggle, man, bring the church alongside us to help us to walk through the struggle because that's what you're calling us to here. In your name we pray, amen. And then we're gonna wrap it up in verses one through three of chapter two. Peter writes, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. See, here, right here, Peter challenges us to stop living the old ways. Culture and this world have it all wrong. There's no way that culture in this world can get it right either. It just, it's found in, in, in a selfish, baseless place. So it'll never get it right. So Peter's saying, hey, it only leads to death. But along the way to death, it's just despair the whole time. It paints an ugly picture because it's ugly. So don't listen to culture. Don't listen to the world. And certainly don't imitate or mimic it. It will always try, the world around us will always try to make us mimic it. One of the saddest things uh, of, our, of our COVID experience we had to walk through, in my opinion, as a, as a pastor and a church leader, is to see all the churches that chose, well, the world's telling us we need to act this way, and they just started acting that way. They got their focus off the gospel and went to, hey, the world says this should be what matters most to us. But the world doesn't know anything Amen. except selfishness. Amen. And, and so they, they lose their way because they let the world dictate. They said, hey, I'm not going to take pure spiritual milk. I'm going to take some really cheap Infamil. Nothing, you know, if you use Infamil, okay. <laughs> I'm saying it, it's a knockoff product that's not the real deal, that's not really healthy in its fullness, like the pure spiritual milk. So... So these grown adults that are following Jesus are now going back and they're drinking this stuff that's not healthy. And Peter's saying, crave, crave. That means like all of us have craved something, right? Whatever you love the most to eat, you know, you can think when you're hungry, oh, I crave that, because you love it. Some people may like broccoli. Hardly anybody craves broccoli. <laughs> like, ooh. When I could go for some steamed broccoli that smells like B.O. You know, it's like, okay, I eat it, it's good for me, it's green. I don't crave it. We crave what we love, love this and crave this. Like where you can't get up in the morning or go to bed at night because you haven't had this yet. Crave pure spiritual milk. 
If you want to grow and mature and thrive, if you want to become who you're created to be, Peter says, crave it. And then he recalls David's words from Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This moment where David was in an impossible situation and nothing was going to work out. It was only death or, or imprisonment for life. And, and God made a way where there was no way. And so David writes this psalm, this beautiful Psalm 34. You want to be encouraged and challenged, but then encouraged again? Live in Psalm 34 for a week. You're going to walk out of it going, whoo, nothing is going to knock me off of what Jesus has for me because I have that God on my side. This deliverance beyond what's unfathomable to, to, to a person. And he says, he says, hey, in the midst of trials, Peter's writing the same thing that David said. In the midst of trials, Jesus is there. If we taste and see and live in the mercy he provides for us. So as we live in a way that, that constantly recalls God's goodness to us in our present and for our future, our trust grows. As trust grows, it's easier to be sincere and stay joyful. As we, as we you know, we, we grow in, in the sincerity of our faith and, and in our walk in following Jesus. As we experience God's goodness, and that's all he can be. We experience God's goodness in the good times and in the challenging times because he's good in both. Our trust grows. We become mature followers of Jesus. So we're going to close, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to pray right now for the same thing that David experienced and that Peter understood and that you and I can have, that we crave only what Jesus has for us. Only what Jesus provides and not what this world gives. So join with me in prayer. We're going to have two songs, and we're going to worship our good, good king. God, I pray that every person in this room would have hunger pains every day in, in craving you so much. Lord, help us to live in a way where in one way we're fully satisfied because of you, and in another way we're just absolutely starving for you all the time. That we would, we would seek you and seek you and seek you and find you, but then also say, oh, I want more. I want more of that, God. Help us to crave the pure spiritual milk that only you provide that grows us in our faith to walk these days in our trust of, of what you have for us and even the trust as we're moms and dads and, and, and grandmas and grandpas and sons and daughters. That we, that we grow in being encouraged by you. Uh, that we grow in, in relationship with others that follow you so that we're encouraged by others and we become really amazing encouragers of the body of Christ around us. I thank you that in the midst of all this that you give Peter for us, about, hey, you're going to go through suffering, but you can be glad during it. You can have joy that's, that, that never leaves you as you walk in sincerity that you tell us it's really about doing it in community. It's about doing it with one another, for one another, and then from that base, 
of Christian community, we go out and we find the lost and the hurting and the broken and the seekers and, and, the, and the absolute sinners and we bring them the message of Christ and we say, oh, he can transform anything. And we feed them the pure spiritual milk. Help us crave it. Help us give others a taste of it so they can see that you are good and that they become in the same way as we are followers of a living, loving God who has so much for us because he wants to do so much from us. We worship you right now, God. We, we come before you and, and we just say, God, you're worthy of our worship, worthy of our song, and we praise your name right now. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.